and welcome to Paul and Moses Play, a celebration of games and play, and deep dive into video games and what make them so special to us. I'm your host, Paul Berberich, and with me, as always, is Dr. Moses Wolfenstein. Hello, Moses. Hello, Paul. How's it going? It is going pretty well. We are back. We're back. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, we're in the shadow of a nerd tree. Um, <laughs> it's probably shadowing my mind. I forgot that we're back. What a lovely place to be. And I had this whole, we're back like, oh my God. I had, uh, it was going well, Let's just go head. again. Give me a, give me a hello, Moses. Uh, well, but, but I forgot. I forgot it. I was just thinking it would jog your memory. Okay, uh, never mind. Well, it's, hello, Moses. Hello, Paul. We're back. We are back indeed. Like so many blanks and blanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Maybe in an I, hour. Those darn blanks and those other blanks, always blankety blanks. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds awful because your mind just fills in uh, the worst possible uh, things I, you could be saying. I bet when I listen back to this, I'll be like, oh, wow. Ah, I can't believe I said something so terrible. It'll be the first. <laughs> well, actually, bleeping would, would either keep it the same or make it even slightly worse. So true. Uh, true. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, us being back and whatnot. <laughs> Here we are once again, episode 49. And uh, yeah, man, I guess I feel like just kind of kind of launching into it. Um, we definitely we got a we got a guest today, so I think we got we a packed show. Um, proceed with and speed. Uh, I'd love to to wrap about some Elgin Ring with you. And I guess one thing I'll say, and then I'll I'll let you I'll I'll let you follow my prompt here. I, I'm kind of becoming more and more glad that it's open world for for various reasons. Oh, interesting chiefly at this point you and i can more freely share our experiences because it's like it's not like oh have you seen this thing and like in dark souls 3 it's like oh well now i know that's coming up the bend it's like have you seen this thing no it's a wide open world and oh my god that sounds incredible and maybe i'll see it and maybe i won't and yeah that's a good point that's a good point and i i definitely appreciate that as well um you know i did send you uh, a couple of at least one short video via WhatsApp while I was playing. And, um, and I think an image or two maybe. And, um, I I have to ask you, I I sent you a video. Uh, you, you might recall what the, what the scene was, right? Vaguely. It was, it was a bit late at night. It was quite late at night. If you actually saw it when I sent it, it was very late at night for you. (laughs) Um, I was on a ladder. Oh yes. The ladder. And, um, Obviously, you and I have our whole ladder gag going back to right. uh, back to Dark Souls. We've even talked about that on the podcast before. And what I love about ladders. Oh, wait, no. Um, no, but I'm curious if you knew what the specific location was mm. that it reminded me of. Because it reminded me mm. very much of a specific location in Dark Souls. Mm. Um, not just generically, oh, I'm on a ladder. It's very Dark Souls feeling. I well, no. I mean, if I if I put my mind to it and guess, it would be maybe the the first ladder shortcut that you kicked down in the Berg. No, uh, because it's somewhere much deeper than that. Actually, okay. that it really felt reminiscent of, which is um, down below the depths. Yeah. Um, and I'm blanking on the actual name of the the bonfire location down there. Um, but where you're down there in that hole poisonous swamp situation down at the very bottom and then there is the ladder that you have to take to climb back up to firelink right um and just the design of that location where it's a pretty low spot on the map 
Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly where on the map it is, unfortunately. Um, but it's a pretty low spot on the map and a very, very long ladder that you're climbing up and you're going back up to a place like in terms of how you found it, you know, that you're going to be kind of back up on a plateau that you were up higher up and just was like, oh man, this just so, so strongly evokes in both a good and slightly nervous feeling, mm -hmm. um, only because that particular climb is basically easy. Um, and obviously this doesn't apply. The actual nervousness is, is like a remembered nervousness. It's not one in Elden Ring cause like, whatever, I can just teleport to, to any, any grace that I want to. Right. Right. Um, but definitely the memories of like making it part way back up to Firelink only to have something just knock you down, uh, or you accidentally decide and go investigate, Hey, what's this next to this, uh, dragon skeleton or someone you care about oh, is dead. Dragon. Yeah. Drake, what have, yeah. Wait, what? Uh, or someone you care about is dead, such as the the fire maiden. Uh, yeah, that fire link. That that too. That too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was just a little Elden Ring moment that uh, that I just felt super compelled to to share with you via via a, a moment of the video. So yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So have you have you gotten to uh, to dig in much over the past not uh, too much week. but i do have some notes of some kind of notable moments uh, i had my first invasion happen oh excellent okay and it was super fun and you know um i definitely could have won this fight but i i popped a first potion because they took me kind of by surprise um so i popped a flask and then i saw that even though i was hitting them they didn't and so i was like no i'm gonna do this old school i'm gonna let this go old school i'm not gonna pop any any more flasks and it was so close. Mm. You know, somebody with a big smushy like hammer type weapon or giant club type thing. Um, and I'm like rolling around and, and getting into quick opportunistic attacks with my with my blades. Um, it was exciting and it felt good. Uh, the other bit of PVP was pseudo PVP uh, in that I did go back um, to round table hold. Yeah. And the first, this didn't happen. I'd been there once before, but this was the first time I went back to round table hold. Um, and it hit me with immediately throwing me into a, into that little player versus player moment, but I don't think it was an actual other player. Like maybe it's when randomized you, when you jumped over the balcony kind of down into that large hall. No, I, I ported there and it immediately right. put me into a fight. Holy shit. Immediately just put me into a fight. Yeah. Wow. That has never happened to me. And I thought that that was, uh, oh, that's so fascinating. See, I thought that was a scripted NPC thing. I bet that was a real person. It was. I beat them actually. Hey, nice. but like that's supposed to be like a, a no a no fire zone at the hold, which is interesting. Like, yeah, it, the moment I poured it into the hold, it didn't put me into the normal spot. It put me into kind of like a ring. Cool, an illuminated ring, and I and I had this this uh, mano a mano with a with a stranger. Um, so that was pretty cool. And yeah, then I did send you that that uh, second little video from Roundtable Hold as as well. Uh, where I'm being instructed that, hey, I, I'm a newcomer. Don't get out ahead of myself. Yeah. I like, I really liked the vibe in that scene. So I'm, so obviously, yeah, I was clearly barking up the wrong tree, thinking that it was like a primarily, uh, you know, Firelink-esque crafting hub, Dark Souls mm -hmm. Three Firelink, yes, crafting hub. Um, it's very much more uh, the, a PvP-driven location, um, which I appreciate. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, so I did get invaded. Oh, I, I discovered that you cannot travel when you're underground. So Sites of Grace. Uh, yes. Yeah. So that was a that was a slightly unpleasant discovery. Oh, I found that legless dude uh, who's hiding in a barrel. 
Okay. Have I... you found him? No. Oh, interesting. So this is actually kind of an important thing that I've noted in general, that um, that when you find one of those spirits that you can talk to, but you can't really talk to them, right? Yeah. They just they give you clues. So oh, for instance, sure. you and I exchanged one over at whatever the great lift is called yeah. um, that the guy there or person there uh, basically says there's another path through the roots and there's a nasty cave that you can get to that's kind of right over there. And I am still, I've not made it through there, but you have indicated to me that lift activation is possible. And I'm assuming yes. that that is the path towards that. And I'll go and poke around there some more, okay. but um, over in this, there's like this desec desecrated village there's like this doomed village and there are these people who are kind of dragging themselves around who are legless. Okay. I don't think I've been to that village. Yet. Oh, okay. And there's a, a spirit there that is um, uttering final words to another NPC. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Very weird. The, the world continues to give in terms of its richness. I'm oh, definitely appreciating. So yeah. Like I, I haven't gotten to a point where I can make a lot of connecting the dots moments. Yeah. Um, but as far as, yeah, I was back listening to our, our uh, most recently released episode, our, uh, our Elden Ring special. Mm -hmm. um, and I talked a bunch in that about how empty the world feels at times. Yeah. And that's not untrue. There are still large swaths of the world that, that are empty, but there are also dense areas in it. And there are a lot of those areas where, um, where it really suggests like such a, a complex, rich history of the space. Yeah. And, and like, you have no idea what happened here. Right. You, in some instances, you don't know if this was from the breaking of the Elden Ring or just something else that's about, that's kind of baked into the even older, like, history uh, of, of one of the lands between. Yeah. Um, and I've been appreciating that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the open world has really grown on me. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't quite feel as empty, even when it is empty now in that. It's like, well, this is sort of a more transitional space, and I'm just going to hop on my horse, which is effortless, uh, and and blast on through here. Um, well, it's like Hyrule Field is completely empty, but I never thought about it as empty before. <laughs> Not right. completely, but very empty. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Very much in, enjoying the the level design. Um, you know, I'm in uh, a couple of dungeons right now, and it's just old school Dark Souls goodness of like scrabbling for every inch. Do you, you know, need uh, those uh, those keys in order to get into dungeons, or some of them are findable? The stone, the stone sword keys. Stone sword keys, yeah. Um, when I say dungeon, it's like a very generic. You're losing, sort of using a little term. loosely, sure. Uh, but some are sealed off. The majority don't seem to be, or at least okay. the main entrance won't be. But then there'll be a little side room. Sure. Um, well, I mean, like so, Stormvale, even uh, in that sense, feels a lot more like a dungeon than yeah. anywhere that I'd been before that. It legit feels like this puzzly, dungeony, Dark Soulsy place. Right. And I yeah. still have not gotten to the boss there. I like- It's tough. Finding the right path. And I think my, the, uh, the spot of grace that, um, that I discovered that's next to the giant cat that I was telling you about with the sword strapped to its legs. Right. Which I think you still haven't found maybe. <laughs> Yeah, so there's a there's 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 a grace down there that is probably my better run because the only other option I have is the one up high on the wall, right by the birds with swords strapped to their talons. Right. Um, which is a terrible place to be doing a run from. It really, really sucks because those birds, I am so in the habit with both Dark Souls and Bloodborne of 
if you know the path, you can sprint past shit and you can like, you just need to know where to dodge and how to dodge. And that particular wall of the keep, it's clearly like we talked about previously uh, in terms of the conversation with the player. It is other parts of the game are designed to sprint past. That part of the game is absolutely designed to say, no, you're not allowed to do that here. If you are starting here, you have to kill these birds in order to keep going. There are other things you'll be able to run and dodge and time your way by, but you can't sneak by them. You can't sprint by them. Although I think I haven't, maybe haven't mentioned before that um, I have really enjoyed that there are things where crouching and sneaking works. Yeah. And so it's like way more so than back in Dark Souls of like, if you walk, they might not notice you. Like, no, if you crouch in bushes, it super rewards that in terms of right. not being noticed. And you can even sprint while crouching. Granted, it's a, a slower sprint, uh, sure. obviously. But uh, yeah, I died uh, trying to sprint past those birds. You know, they'll just chuck uh, an it exploding those barrel barrels. at you. And there's not yeah. much you can do for that. Um, yeah. I have found a, another instance, uh, two more instances of music within the world itself, which is just so cool okay see uh, I, I thought that the thing that i was telling you about about the desecrated village was one of those because even though i have the music on i was still able yeah. to hear environmental music that um and um just for anyone who for some reason might be early enough in this game and listening to this pod that they're going well i kind of don't mind the background music i will say that my experience was they did a good job with making sure the environmental music still kind of popped through yeah um so that was you know that was good it wasn't like clashing with the uh right yeah with the background music um i still have not found that goddamn wondrous flask of physic i know it's near the starting uh area i know it's in a church uh and i what can't... does it do oh have you not found it either i feel like maybe i do have it but i don't know okay. what it's for i think it's like a it's another reusable potion type uh, that you can set to have different effects. Oh, I maybe maybe I haven't found it either. I don't know. Okay. Or maybe uh, I don't have it equipped because I was like, oh, I have no idea what this does. <laughs> but yeah, to my you know sort of expectation and delight, you know, many of my complaints have have melted away. Uh, it's completely enthralling. It's it's fantastic. Uh, I've only killed a few bosses, but they've been a ton of fun and varied and. You You've down the second major boss, but do you mean yeah. a few bosses beyond that in terms of like the third major boss, or do you no, just mean world world just bosses? Side bosses, yeah. Yeah, um, I like the way they have implemented the world bosses. Um, yeah. you know, I found that little Erd tree with the with the tree guardian. Yeah. And I'm like, you'll destroy me right now. I can't kill you at the moment, but I am excited to come back and fight you another time. And I know you're there, you know? Yeah. Um, there's also like the, the hyper jail. Have you found the hyper jail? Uh Yes. The, and that clearly has a boss inside of it because I went in there and got killed by him. Uh, hi, like Hypogean hypo, hypo, jail. Something like that, yes. Um, yeah, uh, I, I've been to a few of those. Um, oh, there's more than one of them. Uh, yes. And I you did so. ask me about the trapped, the, the city that's trapped. And I did find it, but I haven't really gone into it. You'd ask me about world traps and there's yeah. a city that has traps. Okay. And the reason I know it has traps is because there's a blacksmith nearby. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've encountered oh, a blacksmith out in the world, but he was along a, a road, not in a city. So No, he's not in the city, but he warns you don't go into the city if oh, you go through yes. the full dialogue tree with him. 
Yes, I, I've spoken to him. He's really cool, that that giant guy. Yep. Yeah. He's very Dark Souls three blacksmith, except he's a little bit more, or no, is it Dark Souls? Dark Souls blacksmith. Yeah. And then yeah, he warns about this this manor, which I was trying to get to. Did you try approaching the manor itself? I went right up to the manor and I, I grabbed the grace there, but I decided that I didn't want to mess around with the traps that he was warning me about at that particular moment. Okay. I was mostly trying to find the uh, post for the for the for the map. Okay. Which I still right. might not. I think I might still be missing that particular piece of the map. But there there's somewhere it's like. Oh, it's got to be. I feel like I've covered almost this entire area and defogged it, and I still don't have that little icon that lets me know where I can fill yeah. in the map on. Because it's like that whole northeastern right. or a portion of the northeastern part of the map uh, where it's really split up with big chasms and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, which I really enjoy, though. I actually that's one of the features of the of the. I think I mentioned it last week too of the geography of this game that I enjoy is like how sensible the map is in spite of that obviously as we've talked about previously being these grafted together places um and how difficult the terrain is and like yeah. that that feels very real even if traversing it is you know it completely like, unrealistic because you have a the spirit horse <laughs> right yeah uh yeah it, it is it is good stuff um i did want to dip into uh some some lore musings a little bit and kind of pick your brain as well um absolutely the... before you do that i have one question for you yeah and it's a mechanics question am i correct that you only you can't you can't farm runes the way that you could farm souls previously you if you die you don't it seems to me that i if i die like three times and i get my runes each time that i'm only picking up the most recent runes that i acquired either that or there's some kind of a rune loss system i don't know or maybe I'm cursed. I just don't know it. I mean, unless you... there's something going on that I'm completely haven't seen, it's identical to how it's always been. I could, cause I could swear that like, oh, I have like 200 and something runes and then I die and I go back to the stack and it's less than that. Hmm. You might, there might be some kind of curse going on. Who knows? Or it could be, who knows? Maybe I have a bug. I don't know. To I'm my not... experience. Uh, yeah. You, you okay. Always, you always get what you, what you drop um hmm. and for the the lore bit here i'm only gonna like pull from stuff that i know that we both have seen uh you know uh i think that's only only fair and then we can that's reasonable we can go from there but um so i i mentioned to you uh my theory with the erd trees and how uh i don't think that it is the erd tree projecting rays of light down onto the other minor trees i think those minor trees are all concentrating their beams in one spot and creating this uh maybe false this erd tree because spectral it, it, erd tree it yeah. does go kind of spectral towards the base even though near the top it's seems solid yeah um, and it resembles the tiny uh, erd trees the little saplings where you find the seeds that level yep. up your flasks and those are described as like illusory uh trees um, right and then the other thing that sort of backs that up is the sites of grace, how the site of grace is not pushing uh, light out to where you should go. It is pulling light into itself, uh, showing you that it is there. And I, and I think until you discover it, right? Until it's, you discover it. And then now, they do still away. some of them have a little trail coming out of them that seems to be 
point, like when you look at them well, on, on the map, map. Yes. and some of them do not. Right. And that I had assumed was point was like, oh, this is there's something in this area that it's indicating. Yeah. 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 I just think sort of from a, a thematic metaphorical sort of level, uh, it's the same thing of like it's it's drawing in this instead of as opposed to pushing pushing it out that's yeah. really interesting yeah huh um and the other thing that uh popped into my head last night i was just looking around the world and it just so there's this whole grafting thing right where and it's i know very little about it except you can graft a limb onto your body and it becomes uh animated like it's in the uh the trailer like it shows the oh i missed that so i forget no, I her not name, remember it but she kind of like clips uh, an arm back onto uh her her torso and yeah. so the rune of death has been stolen right right and so i'm thinking that that means that people can't die anymore that would certainly you know FromSoft has has consistently held up like there's a thematic reason for being able to right. to come back and that fits. So it seems like you can't die. Flesh can't die. So whatever flesh you put onto yourself then becomes like living as yeah. well. And that's why there are all these weird like animal human hybrids and stuff on stuff that shouldn't be. Uh, and I think that's why like the world is sort of stagnating. I don't know if you've been to Kalid much that like blighted part of the the map to the to the east um east of Lingrave. Uh, I, I, I think i've been over there but i maybe haven't spent as much time there yeah um and once and caleb you, rings a bell for sure yeah once you beat uh this next story boss we will have much uh much to discuss well um, i'm gonna have to freaking find my way there and i will say one funny thing i was just looking at my notes and there had been some auto correcting of my notes and i was trying to figure out what the heck it was you can in fact, apparently, I deciphered my note with those hawks. If you crouch up to a point until they definitely see you, apparently yeah. you can crouch and then sprint past them. Because okay. I specifically made a note for myself about it and then totally forgot it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that just kind of ties together a couple of, uh, of the mechanical pieces we were talking about. But yeah, I'm really looking forward. I, I've got to track down the, the path to get through there to get to that boss. And um, I'm just not sure what the most efficient way to do it's going to be because I have two different possible torturous routes, but uh, you know, maybe after we pot, I'll throw in a little bit of time and do it. Or, I mean, I don't know. We talked in our two weeks ago, uh, we talked about like, yeah, we're definitely going to do some co-op in the next few days. We still haven't done that. So yeah. maybe, uh, maybe I'll call you in to just uh, help me find the path to get to the boss. That might not be uh, sure, a man. crazy idea because that the, the keep is so, so thick. Yeah. with like defenses with literal fortifications these guys with the big cannons and like giant guys and heavily armored dudes it's like they're really not fucking around and then you can show me where that cat is because like i even went back through stormvale and like all right there's more here and i'm gonna find it and i couldn't <laughs> so okay. like i wonder where you are and you need to go where I am. And so, yeah, maybe we can meet in the middle. It's in the south of, uh, so it's like the wrong direction to get yeah. to the boss. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, maybe we can make that work. That, that That's uh, probably worth a shot. Um, I know we want to move on. Uh, I do have a quick other topic that I thought we should touch on real quick. Yeah. Um, the bacon conundrum. 
Oh, yes. The bacon conundrum. So, yeah, farm RPG. Um, and I, I think I'm kind of closing in on you as much as is possible, which is to yeah. say it's quite possible because Endgame is, it, you know, it's semi-static at this point. So I'm very much going to be able to uh, to come up to speed with you. I'm currently at uh, over 80 in everything except for exploring. Okay. Um, yeah. And I'm getting close on exploring. Uh, but that means that we both have uh, this help needed for find a way. Yeah. Where for some reason, Captain Thomas is asking you for 300 fucking bacon. Right. <laughs> among other, among other supplies. Um, yeah. Although what I saw people complaining about on, on Reddit about it was actually the salt collection where he's asking for 300 salt. Yeah. It's a lot of salt to grind it out, is. but the bacon is a different conundrum. So um, just uh, how did it go? Um, it's going, I mean, all too easily. Uh, so yeah, we texted a bit uh, yesterday about, uh, it's both silly and not silly. Like, I think it's legit Absolutely. that I have misgivings about slaughtering pigs, but I'm also already engaged in some amount of animal agriculture. I don't kill my chickens or cows, but I still keep them. Uh, and well, and I pet them. Let's be let's be honest. But uh, oh, that's a good part in theory. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know, it's it, if I'm gonna, uh, the only ethical thing uh, is to just not engage with these quests. But like, it opens up. I assume uh, the the tower, the the next upcoming exploration thing that's not yet yeah. in the game, which obviously I really want to see. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm like, well, it's gonna take a while, but I'll just buy them from Borgen. When he shows up and sells bacon but then i'm like that's just what people already do in real life they don't there's this cognitive dissonance where you don't have to think about where your bacon comes from you just go to the store yep. and you get it and you're just as as complicit as the farmer in in some ways uh absolutely and so i was like well okay if there's going to be blood on my hands then it'll be on your hands uh i'm going to be the one to do it and to make it extra <laughs> i don't know silly poignant uh, all of the above i'm giving them uh names all within a certain sort of framework so i'll just rattle off a few because i have <laughs> i'm so glad i asked you about this because it just got better well i have 250 pigs um there was a bug where it wouldn't let me name them for a few days uh so i i haven't named them all but uh we have uh innocence honestly peace lily peach lily orval joe dignity life Kindness, compassion, humility, friend, gifts, Wilbur, hugs, altruism, a coup, Chorby, warmth, aquavita, memories, joy, empathy, truth, mirth, and Harris. After the late great Harris Whittles. Honestly, I should have just used this as tell me about because it's so rich, but that's okay. <laughs> Because uh, I'm going to have to slaughter Orval. You're going to have to slaughter uh, them all, including someday. including Orval. Yeah. yeah. I, ironically, I didn't realize this, that you could slaughter cows before I named the first cow Frouche after my friend Kelly's dog, which has led me to not slaughtering cows. <laughs> right. And, you know, I, I have the tower redecorated quest line at the same time where Star is asking for only 10 bacon, uh, but some hundreds of steaks. And so I went around my usual leveling up of my pets so that i could uh level up my my wild boar um she a countess truffle snoot she is uh anyway i i leveled her up um because she can bring me steaks right and i did not want to go into the absolutely insane thing of 
buying more buying stakes for more coin than I would get for the quest. I was just like, I can't do that. I can be be patient with um, Duchess Truffle Snoot instead. She will bring me stakes and that will solve my conundrum. And I got to tell you, I just dropped ancient coin and farmed coin today. And I went to Borgen and I bought 300 or whatever the difference was that I needed yeah. in bacon. I was just like, oh, to fuck it, you know, because yeah. I just don't even want to set up the apparatus and I already have most of the coin that I need to do this. So I'm just going to do it. Yeah. So yeah, if we have any farm RPG players out there listening, uh, you know, feel free to write us and tell us what you think yeah. <laughs> about this particular quest line. I did have a crazy idea, which was that like, it would be a cool feature at an appropriate advanced level for, for where it becomes quest requirements to allow you to make fake meat of each type Yeah, and to use that as an alternate so that you never need to engage with the steak market. You don't, if you're a vegetarian and you want to have cows, you can have cows, but not slaughter them, etc. Yeah, just grow a bunch of soybeans and uh, and you're halfway there. Yeah, right, exactly, exactly. So like you can make it maybe inefficient, right? You can make it inefficient right. and that they the only use for them is as an alternative uh, quest item. Yeah. But um, anyway, that, that silly notion or not so silly notion kind of crossed my mind too. Yeah. Well, uh, I have a notion that we should uh, get to our first official feature of the show, which means it's time for Game Ranks. <laughs> Rank it up, Moses. All right. This is big. And, you know, I talked about this two weeks ago. um, And I'm going to keep it pretty short for obvious reasons. Um, But, you know, I looked at my list real hard. And I sat with the feeling of having completed Cana Bridge of Spirits for long enough to, like, let it really sit with me. And, like, what can I say? This game makes top 10 for me. Holy shit, man. It is a game of I. It is the only game where I've ever been this emotionally invested, where it has touched me at this kind of a level. Wow. I, it's like got this Pixar quality conjunction of animation and writing and voice acting. Yeah. Um, and it, in this tale that just games are not, in general, um, most game devs are not, especially at this quality of production. Um, willing to take a risk on a topic this complicated. Yeah. Uh, and then to do it in a way that is beautifully and deeply respectful of different spiritual traditions. Uh, and of course, I talked about the soundtrack last week. So Kena is breaking things up. It is coming in at number six for me. Wow. Yeah. Between Le- We Love Katamari and, and Spelunky, it couldn't replace Dark Souls, Tetris Effect, Nintendo Ice Hockey, oddly enough. I mm. kept thinking like, is that really? Yeah, you know what? that that game does have a very, very special place. Um, it's replayability is so damn deep. Um, so Portal and We Love Katamari. Um, and I thought about it, is it really, could it take my five spot instead of We Love Katamari? And I was like, no, mm. because not only uh, is there probably more replayability for me with We Love Katamari, um, but that game just blew doors open for me since I didn't play the original Katamari Damacy. Um, first, I played it second. Uh, that game, like, just showed me this whole other side, the absurdist, like, bonkers, weirdness side of video games that I felt it still deserves that five spot for me. But Cana Bridge of Spirits coming in at number six for me and uh, and really, really shaking up my list. Yeah, nice. Uh, well, uh, all the more reason for me to to play it, and I'm sure I will sometime in, in the year of our Lord, uh, 2022. I, I figure that by the time that you're you've completed a first a first playthrough, 
of Elden Ring, uh, you might even be able to get it at a good price. So yeah, and then we get Elden Ring DLC, and then FromSoft yesterday said it's a a franchise now, like as if there was any doubt. But uh... <laughs> that is kind of hilarious to me. Like this game's out for how long, and they're like, oh, we'll have some DLC. Oh yeah, and it's a franchise now. We'll definitely have a sequel. Yeah. I mean, it's sold like 14 million copies or something insane. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it is it is a hit. Uh, but uh, for me this week, I am going to be ranking a game in my number 47 spot, and that game is Journey. Oh, Journey! Yeah, Journey. What a special Man, game! Very um, special game. You know, for many years. Uh, you know, many years before Journey, uh, I had a thought of like, I want there to be a game where there's a mountain in the distance and you're running towards it. And like, that's the game. I just yeah. want this monolith that gradually over over the weeks creeps closer and closer as a real mountain would if you were on foot. Uh, and Journey uh, satisfied that and then some. Um, it's such a delightful game. Um, you know, kind of minimal, like you can kind of jump and eventually like float around a little bit and you can chirp. Um, but yeah. that's, that's about it. And you are on this journey uh, to this mountain. You're not really sure why, but the world has been ruined somehow and the story gradually takes shape. And it actually took me three or four playthroughs before I fully grokked the story and that each journey that you're taking is just like a single drop of this essence that is going to be remaking the world. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's such a poignant, interesting tale. Um, beautiful game, beautiful soundtrack. Um, it's one of my favorite games to have anyone try, a gamer or non-gamer. Um, yeah, it's very approachable for somebody who does not identify themselves as a gamer. And it's very like eye-opening for I think many people who do identify themselves as gamers. Yeah, and one of my favorite parts of that ties into my other favorite thing about the game, which is the absolutely pitch perfect multiplayer implementation, mm -hmm. where it's no, you know, Bud Smoker 420 uh, gamer tag showing up on your screen. It doesn't right. say someone has joined your game. It's all of a sudden there's a person there, mm -hmm. and uh, you can't grief each other. You can't. You could just sit there if you wanted, but uh, or you can run around. You can show them secrets. You can chirp back and forth. And I think each time I've had someone new try this without telling them anything, they were completely unaware that this was an actual real person until yeah. after their session. And I told them and they were blown away yeah. by that fact. Yeah. Um, I honestly wish that hadn't been spoiled for me. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. But, it, you know, when you read some games journalism, that's the kind of thing that's almost impossible to avoid. Right. I've had to mute uh, several Elden Ring uh, uh, phrases on Twitter because I kept just seeing little snippets. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to see this. I don't want to know this. I want to find yeah. it myself. Uh, yep. Yeah. Fortunately for me, uh, and we're on a bit of a divergence, but shitty Dark Souls uh, subreddit is the only place where where any of this stuff has been leaking through for the most part. Yeah. And uh, and it doesn't very much because of the nature of that subreddit. Right. It is such a shit posting meme meme fest that uh, very there's been very little. But yeah, man, to get back to it, though, Journey, the second or third game from that game company? I think third. There was Flower and Flow. Oh, Flow came before Flower. 
yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, so you, you had Flower, which I did both put just Journey and Flower on my unranks just now because I was like, oh, man. Um, and there is a sequel that we talked about briefly on this podcast that neither of us has, has played yet that is mobile. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, you've captured so much that is, is good about this game, and it's such a special game. Yeah, um, I I can replay the the sliding level where you're sliding down the that long sandy incline and yeah. the music and like the sun is setting and just at the end you careen off the edge and you fall down into dark darkness like just as the sun sets and then you're in this new sort of slower paced underground level um, and all that builds to the absolutely rapturous conclusion of the game where it is just heaven's word you fly and mm -hmm. everything is popping off and yeah. you are just effortlessly bounding over waterfalls and flowers and then uh you go off uh you know and then you see oh that's why the mountain looks like that because it's like two people walking together into uh oblivion or into the next step of, of their existence it's so funny that you ranked this game. And I was just saying about Kana that so few game studios take on themes like this. And yet we both ranked a game today that takes on kind of life and death and transition themes. Um, and yeah. Journey is one of the few, like, few games that's been made at that production scale, even though it's obviously a much shorter game. Right. Um, but man, that just makes me want to replay it all the more because it's like you can take your time with it or you can you can jam through it relatively fast just to kind of refresh the experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. So yeah, that is my new number 47. Ah, excellent choice. Thank you. Uh, speaking of excellent choices, uh, we are going to move on to our next segment of the show uh, for Moses' excellent choice when he tells us what he loves about um yeah so what i love about <laughs> what i love about games is uh is their boundlessness and that sounds like an extremely vague thing to say and why the heck did i choose that for this week uh and i chose it for like the wrong reason actually what i love about games is how you can argue with them about people on the internet um because those people are always wrong um but no i did in fact get into this is going to be pretty short well uh, a brief argument um with somebody on r slash games on reddit um who was making a preposterous claim about elden ring mm. to the effect of and this was not actually it was through the escalation of the thread which didn't go too far they were saying like everyone needs to learn from from elden ring and what fromsoft has done with elden ring about how um you know you don't have to tell players what to do and you shouldn't hold their hand mm -hmm. and i was like First of all, there are different game aesthetics and there are different preferences that players have. And I like to fail and die repeatedly and come back, but that's not for everyone. And so having things that provide a little bit more guidance, uh, you know, that's a that's a, just a different decision. Not every game should be this. And, oh, yes. And incidentally, FromSoft has been doing this. This is not right. like you have discovered Elden Ring, but I've been experiencing this for a while and I didn't even start out with dark souls when it dropped so <laughs> that was kind of the funny part but somehow this person derailed it this guy <laughs> there's just no way this is not a male um into saying like well that's because you're 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 saying that like games could be like 
like games have to have have rules and winners. No, he didn't say even say rules, points and winners and losers. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me tell you about Bernard Suits. Let me tell you about Kelwa. Let me tell you about DeCoven. Um, go and read some stuff and get back to me. <laughs> and he just like wouldn't let it go. And I'm like, okay, this is somebody, this is where the damn walking simulator debate argument nonsense came from in the first place. But what it pushed me to at the end of the day was like just taking a moment for myself to relish the fact that game devs and players writ large have been willing to welcome games as a medium that can be whatever the heck you want it to be with some very, very narrow constraints about like, is this or is this not a game? And sometimes you can have a productive or interesting conversation about it without it being gatekeeping and stupid. Um, but, uh, but regardless, for games as a design medium, they're just, they're so boundless in terms of the types of experiences that you can create. Yeah. And that's just what, how, how can you not love that about games? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm sure you'd agree that like it, in the, in the truly mainstream space, there has been an overreach maybe towards over explaining uh, maximal HUDs, that sort of a thing. But I think this is what he was originally trying to post about. Yeah. But like, there's always been alternatives to that. They, they haven't always been in the mainstream in the AAA, but that's fine. Like, yeah, you're not going to find the best music on a pop radio station either, even though there's plenty of good pop out there. Like it's, right. you know, uh, it's what is going to bubble up to the surface. And the other thing is, of course, devs are going to copy Elden Ring because it's making all the money in the world and is yeah, like the fourth highest played game on Steam concurrently or something like that recently. And like, uh, that's already going to happen. Like, you don't have to tell right. anyone for better or worse. Uh, they're going to take clues. Uh, I mean, they've already been taking clues from from soft. That's the other thing I was thinking is like, dude, you're, you're way behind the times. There are a lot of games that have clearly already been inspired by Dark Souls and Bloodborne in, yeah. in a million different ways. You know, all you got to do is kind of look around outside of the top five grossing games over the last, you know, any given year where, you know, sure, FIFA is always in the mix. Yeah. <laughs> and some genres you simply need uh, for, for it to be a complete and enjoyable experience. You need the rules to be explicitly spelled out a complex yeah. board game or something like yeah. no one wants to bumble through that. Like it's. Uh, yeah, one size does not fit all. It's a, you know, fairly obvious, uh, you know, in, in hindsight, but like, right. Uh, but it, it does draw a spotlight on something uh, to rejoice uh, about for sure. So there you go. And love about so Paul, you got any love for us today? I certainly do. What I love about Final Fantasy IX is Tetramaster. Uh, not only Tetramaster itself, but this absolutely dreamy with these just creamy vibes. Mm. And then it's got this click, 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 kind of... What is that uh, instrument? Uh, you'll hear it in a minute, and then you can maybe tell me. <laughs> some sort of percussive... Uh, uh, yeah, we got some kind of tines going on right or the now. Other. Um, I don't know what type of sound. But uh, Tetramaster is a collectible card game within... There's that thing. Oh yeah, uh, it's a guero, uh, or a scraper, as they are kind of referred to, as well. Guero? Did you say? Guero. Okay. Yeah. And is it like a wooden washboard uh, apparatus? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a wooden scraper type okay. instrument where you've got like ridges on it, and um, 
you know, yeah. Um, like those, I, I could go get one and now I have in the house. <laughs> well, you've got those frogs, right? Uh, I have one that is a frog and I have two that are fishes, yes. Right on. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, obviously Adore, Final Fantasy IX, uh, Tetra Master, uh, collectible card game within it. And it actually interestingly ties back to our just previous conversation about spelling things out because this game did not tell you anything. Yeah. Like, here's a monster card with some letters and numbers on it. Uh, not words, uh, just numbers and letters and some arrows. And you put it next to your opponent's card and maybe it'll flip them to you. Maybe it won't. Uh, and it feels like you are in another world playing another type of game. One that is slightly beyond your, your grasp uh, cognitively. I mean, you can like get good at it and figure it out but it's not exactly fair or, or reasonable, but that sort of just adds to the sort of otherworldly feature. And boy, were there some frustrating times where you'd lose your, you know, your Armstrong or your, your Marlboro card and uh, have to do like a hard reset. And, and, you know, cause you only have one of those. So you gotta, you gotta get it back. There you um, go. But uh, yeah, I, I've been meaning to replay Final Fantasy IX with the, uh, the mod they used an AI to upscale all the textures to basically restore ah. them to their uncompressed uh, version. You know the version that the artist actually crafted, um, and uh, that's been on my replay list for for some time. Uh, and man, you, how can you beat this this music? Yeah, it's very jamming. Incidentally, I, I should correct uh, my pronunciation there. Um, so like, Wero is a, a blonde person. Um, okay. Wiro, G-U-I-R-O, is in fact the, uh, the the scraper instrument. Very good. And there it is, just on cue. Very good. Remember that? <laughs> oh, yes. How could I forget? Thank you. I still don't know where you found that. But, hello. Uh, hello. You have yes. to get it from the, the, the crow, the trading crow. That's uh, the only place. The trading crow up above Firelink in Dark Souls 3. Uh, oh my god, I haven't been up there. Is that past the gate? Uh, oh, you've never been into the rafters? Of I've actually never been into the rafters. I've okay. always been like, oh, you know, one of these days I should go back there and do that, but I'm always distracted yeah. by something else. There's some cool stuff up there. Spoiler, there's a crow up there and you can trade. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that is what I love about Final Fantasy IX. Uh, moving things along to our next feature, it is Tell Me About... And uh, Moses, uh, I, I hope you are in the well, amenable to a, a slightly more uh, somber or, or perhaps macabre question. If not, we can we can push it to another week. But uh, I was wondering uh, if you could tell me about uh, this scenario. Uh, sadly, you are dying. Uh, you don't have a specific amount of time left, but uh, but the end is uh, is in sight and it is guaranteed. And you get to play a game uh, again, a game that you have already beaten, but you get to play it again in its entirety. Uh, and it may be the last, uh, or, or it is the, the last game that you will get to play through. Uh, what game do you think that might be? Do I have the ability for this to be a game that I'm playing with others? Yes. Then um, 
in spite of having just ranked a, a, a game that is in fact about dying and it would actually probably be a pretty good play in many ways in that context. If I had the ability to only play a game, one more game, top to bottom, I would want to replay Castle Crashers with oh. you and Wendy, actually. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was like looking at my list and, I, and my eyes lit on Castle Crashers and I, I was like, if I can tweak this question just a little bit to to kind of have that opportunity for the experience, the opportunity to like re-enjoy a world that I've been in with dear friends before. Um, yeah. And it's goofy and it's not morbid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, Hey, death is around the corner. I'll be, I'll be facing that soon enough. I don't necessarily need, I was like, well, it's definitely not dark souls. <laughs> <laughs> That that just would be like too too brutal. I like I well, you're would you like to suffer a little bit more on the way to your death? Right. right. Um, but no, I think that getting to to replay Castle Crashers specifically with the two of you would be like a really wonderful last play experience to have. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's a great answer. And you know, if we play on insane mode that means you get to live for like a whole another year i mean i i, I was not necessarily <laughs> assuming that the question hinged on you die the moment you finish the game although i was wondering if you were going to frame it that way because um that might push me to, <laughs> to something else that just is a way to cheat death longer right. um but then again at what cost at what mm, cost right <laughs> the, the miserableness of the experience of trying to finish the game uh is is so bad at a certain point you're like oh my god can i just die now instead of having to finish this game yeah (laughs) nice uh yeah good good answer man yeah well paul i've got um a totally different um vaguely death related question for you Hmm. um in your opinion i've asked you kind of questions similar to this one before but it's just very narrow and specific what game has the best zombies okay yeah it's it's resident evil 2 remake okay and what is the quality of the the re2 zombies that uh puts them above and beyond it's 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 sort of everything uh they the visual design is stellar like the game looks incredible i don't know how they pulled it off uh you know it's like 60 frames a second super crisp uh great art direction uh, the costumes, the the posture, the lumbering, um, they're still kind of scary because they are bullet sponges in that game. Yeah, you can put six rounds into their head, and that might not that might not do the trick. Um, but the way they react to being shot, because it it would almost go to Resident Evil Four because that kind of was the first that I remember to do this. But it's even better in in the remake of Two. Like you shoot them in the knee and you see like their knee wobble and their leg. Ooh, you know, nice wobble. And you shoot them in the knee three times and they're going to stumble and, you know, uh, or you can shoot their limb off and then uh, they have no arms. So they, they can only like bite at you now, uh, much right. less uh, threatening. Um, and yet still they can bite at you. Right. And that's um, like a really good capture of the zombie aesthetic too. Yeah. The idea that like they keep coming, right? Yep. You shoot their legs off, they crawl after you. You take out an arm, like they they can still try and bite you. Yeah, and the 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 sound design is great too. There's this one they set up this scare so perfectly. You're up in the police station, 
And the game is telegraphing that there's a zombie behind this one crate and you move towards it, but no, there's another zombie closer by. And there's this one sound effect and it's the same one every time. He just goes like, you <laughs> just, he's not really <laughs> saying the word you, but that's just, he's just like a moan that's kind of coming out. Like. Yeah. Uh, and it like twice it, it, it chilled my, it chilled my bones uh, going through that. Even though I knew it was coming the second time, it still, it still got me. Nothing really comes close. Like the the Red Dead uh, Surf Zombie DLC was was a ton of fun. Oh shit! You know what is, you know what is kind of close is the Borderlands. Uh, remember the DLC, the zombie DLC that we oh, just yeah, played. Oh yeah, that's right. There's a zombie of, DLC. To totally like, forgot like about that. Five hundred brains or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for sure, funness. You right. know, that's yeah. kind of like the Plants vs Zombies. Zombies for sure, funness are yeah. are pretty pretty awesome. Nice. Well, excellent. You know, I mean, there's a large herd of zombies to, to pick from, but what a, what a great choice just cause uh, they have those zombies sound like they have all of the qualities you want in a zombie. Absolutely. Uh, great. Well, with that said, uh, we'll push forward into our next segment of the show and it is our guest segment. Please welcome to the show, Kyle Jenkins. Hello, Kyle. Hey, Paul. Hey, Moses. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for being here with us this evening. Uh, to my uh, to my surprise, here you are a Madison. Well, maybe not native, but a Madison individual as as well. We were talking <laughs> about the uh, the closing oh. of of another winter here. Oh yeah, as native as you can get. I was born here. Yeah. Uh, so lived here most of my life. Uh, went to school in Milwaukee, but uh, moved back to Madison to work in higher ed. Okay. Yeah. And I a regrettable decision for all of us who have worked in higher ed. Not your moving uh, to we're just working in higher ed. All right, I'm going to have to talk in higher education. I was, a, I was a detriment to them all. <laughs> Not what I meant. I realized as I was saying it, I was like, oh God, I'm just trash talking to my friend now. So many young don't worry. I, I, yes, I know this guy. I, I know this. Yeah. <laughs> this guy. He, I know where he lives. Don't worry. Right. Hey, I mean, if it weren't for higher education, we wouldn't have met. So there's that. Exactly. Exactly. Very Just true. plopping myself down desks next to each other, doing completely different things. Nice. Uh, cool. Well, we will start off with uh, our questions here, as per usual, and uh, then we'll we'll get into your topic. Um, so Kyle, I would love it if you could tell me uh, what is the first game you remember playing? Yeah, iconically so uh, A Link to the Past, Legend of Zelda. Oh, yeah. yeah, so it was my birthday and my dad ran to Toys R Us. He didn't know what I wanted for my birthday. My dad ran to Toys R Us, probably yelled out a swear word in the middle of the store seeing how expensive those games were at the time but begrudgingly brought it home it was my brother's super nintendo by the way and uh yeah i i monopolized or i i i stole it from him you know i i took it and um didn't let him ever play that thing again well that's not true but you know he got it for Christmas. I got Zelda. Yeah. The rest is history. So you, you sort of had to meet in the middle there for any sort of good times yeah. to, to commence. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So did your dad know that he was picking like the best possible choice or did he ask a, 
helpful sales associate or like you know i kind of like remembering these these times because like every 10 minutes the commercial would play on television oh, okay yeah <laughs> and it's kind of funny it's kind of funny because you think about it it was like children's television and they were marketing video games and you know back in the day like right they're very popular very expensive um but mainstream you know breaking into that industry nintendo was one of the pioneers to really bring it to the home and and the united states uh, home environment i remember that tv shocked me every time we turned on the snes like <laughs> shocked me hard like i the thing was not grounded but you know it was the you'd, you'd pay the price to to play the game i mean that's a very rational explanation of why it was shocking you have considered have you considered it just really didn't like having a, a console plugged into it it might have been we had that uh coaxial adapter hanging mm -hmm. off the back and it was a sony it was just TV letting you know yeah it did it was like stop it either watch <laughs> a vhs tape or or use the antenna or maybe your parents you doing? were like Oh, we don't want him playing video games. It's time for a little aversion therapy. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. They also used to ring this bell before dinner time. I don't know. Right. It really got me hungry. Yeah. You know? Mouth starts uh, watering. I'm salivating just I, thinking about yeah, it. I, I developed this bad habit of barking at food, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't imagine a better uh, first game to play. You know, uh, I had a. You know, I got Ocarina of Time on my 16th birthday, uh, and nice. nothing, nothing better than a Zelda game uh, on on your birthday. It's uh, truly yeah. Amazing. I probably, I probably would have gotten into sports had it not been for Ocarina of Time. Right, right. being honest here. Oh, so. And now there's baseball, so you can you can have it both ways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, my next question: uh, What is the first game you remember beating? That's a good question. Uh, you know, it would have been probably Super Mario on the SNES, I'd imagine, because didn't that come stock with it? I feel like uh, like Mario World. No, uh, to the SNES, uh, Super Mario World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What am I saying no to? <laughs> yes, of course. Like, that, didn't that yeah. come with it? Uh, I it? think it was a pack-in for, for, for a time, yes. Yeah, so that came with it. Um, I remember that. It did. And it was on the box advertised. Yeah. Yeah. Poor old gray and yellow SNES has aged, but I still have it. It doesn't work. I still have the case. So the okay. reason we beat that, I didn't feel like I was of a capable age to beat a game like that but we had this really talented babysitter when i was a kid mm -hmm. her name was kelly and she was huge into video games this is funny like every person who was pivotal in my life had some attachment to video games you know my sixth grade teacher uh used to call i was a i was a succeeding student she used to call me to her desk and i thought i did something wrong and she'd be like Kyle, you know the water temple in Ocarina of Time? I'm having a really hard time with that. <laughs> and, and so, like, every time I tried to get out, they just they just drew me back in. Right. You know? So, yeah, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. But that, it's mostly my fault, guys. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> well, even at school, like, school is the opposite of video games. And even there, it's, you know, they're, they're coming for you. 
Uh, oh yeah. Well, this Kelly, she sounds like a, you know, a dream come true for a babysitter, you know, loves, loves to game. We'll help you out with, uh, you know, Resnor or wherever you were getting, getting hung up. Um, yeah. I think my parents knew we were just waiting for them to go out on date night so that right. we could have time playing video games with our babysitter. <laughs> like, I think they, they knew that and they laughed about it. It's like, uh, he, they like the babysitter more than they like us, but <laughs> I'm sure now growing up, I know that like, that's just a way or it's like, well, we can just hand our kids off and go have a great time. Right. <laughs> doesn't matter. Go. They yeah, like the babysitter more than us. <laughs> it's a win-win. Come on. Yeah. 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 I make it sound like I was brought up in front of a television, which is only 98% true, you know, so <laughs> I had books. Yeah. TV. Was... I actually had the, oh, go ahead. Oh, I had the Choose Your Own Adventure mm. Zelda books. Oh, Rem- shit. Do you ever get those? No. They made Choose Your Own Adventure Zelda books? Yeah. I think my dad threw them away accidentally. Oh. Um, but I had them, oh. pencil markings in them and all, because you could choose, you know, the goal was to get down a different path. And, you know, like some of the ending of the story would be Link fell down a pit. Right. You know, in the game, if Link fell down the pit, just took half his heart, right? So but <laughs> they wow. kind of ended I, I remember the art was like the the classic uh zelda style art like yeah. that came in the pamphlets for the nes and um which i later played you know and the game boy um they had that art which defined link as this you know kind of medium hair length uh brown scrappy little tunic thing going on and you know, a cross are... shield almost right out of the Crusades. It's got those so. massive sideburns coming, just sort of oh, hanging yes. loose. Yes. Yeah. Well, sideburns were a, were a, uh, they were a symbol of your manliness, weren't they? Right. So. Yep. Yeah. It's his adventure spirit. <laughs> right. Save the princess. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, but looking back at that art, it feels like Link would be like this kid you could just push over, but he totally wasn't. <laughs> to, you know, right? He's got he's friends with the fairies. They they will they will mess you up. They will, they mess, will you mess you up. Hey, listen, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, Watch I out. mean, it's a kid with a sword. You should still probably be careful, right? right? <laughs> yes, sharp sword. Yeah. Uh, well, my final question for you, Kyle. What's your favorite game? My favorite game currently or just cumulatively? Um, I mean, I think the spirit of the question is is of all time, but you you can answer it uh, uh, in whatever way makes sense. Yeah. The way that I think would make sense is the game with the most hours I've logged into it, which is Terraria. Oh, yeah. Probably. And that one became my favorite because each time you start a new world it was something different and, you know that's the that's the adventure spirit that i wanted out of a game like zelda as a kid you wanted that every time you you logged on to this game or got into it it would be something new and terraria had that platformer 2d side scroller almost like it should have been a metroidvania type thing going for it but it was more like minecraft and i never really got into minecraft but this whole got to collect all that stuff spirits you know sub pokemon spirit you know really appealed to me i I always found a a like for you know these these broad reaching games that did more than you could ever hope to accomplish so yeah 
No doubt. Yeah, it's interesting because I sort of had the inverse where I've played a bunch of Minecraft and wanted to get into Terrar Ter Terraria and kind of uh, yeah. uh, sort of bounced off, you know, through no fault of, of the game. Um, so when you have attempted to play Minecraft, like, have you gotten into sort of a groove or has it been completely foreign feeling or like what's what's your experience? You know, I always have tried it on you know, traditional systems, not on the PC, really. I feel like it's got it. It's a, it's a mouse keyboard experience, I feel. And I think that's been my, uh, my mistake is getting into it on the wrong platform for my, you know, my uh, experience, gotcha. uh, personalized experience. You know, it's just one of those things. It's like, we all have ways of playing a game and it's some people like the PlayStation controller, some people like the Xbox, uh, I come from an era, you know, people swore keyboard and mouse would be the best thing forever, you know, uh, for first person shooters and things like that. Minecraft's a first person game. And I feel like that's, you know, the natural control scheme is kind of like that a mouse and keyboard system all the way. But I don't know. I, you know, I always get to the point where I'm digging, I'm getting resources and you tell me what happens then. I, I <laughs> yeah. turn it off and I never get back into it. It's it's weird. It is. It's but it's got all the pieces you'd think I'd like. Yeah, because it it seems similar to, to Terraria in many in many ways. Well, it is similar in many ways. I'm sure there's many differences as well. Um, yeah, maybe uh, Terraria has a more of an overt goal. Uh, you know, whereas Minecraft is more self self driven goals. You know. There is an end game where you kill the end dragon and stuff, but the game doesn't really tell you that. Uh, I like that. I like that. Uh, Maybe it's just 2D Terraria and 3D Terraria breaks my mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not impossible. I was going to say, I, I feel like this is a theme we've kind of brushed on on the pod before of a like, I don't know why I don't like this game that has all the things in it that I should like. Yeah. So, yeah. but it, it is a phenomenon for sure. It's, and it, sometimes it's hard to pin down. It offers it full service on a plate right up to me. And I just, yeah, it, there's something around hour two or three that I just, I'm like, I, you know, maybe it's that I've played games that have provided that for me in the past. So it's like, I know what's going to happen when the night comes, it's dangerous. So you got to build the house. Right. Right. You know, it's, but I don't know. Yeah. Worth the second shot. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's, it's come, come quite a ways uh, even in the past uh, just couple of years. Um, yeah. Well, great. Well, those are my questions three. So I will turn it over to Moses. So Kyle, um, yeah. I, I double checked with this one uh, about you before uh, before we had you have you on the pod here. Have had before we were going to. <laughs> wow, I've really oh, bungled that transition. So Kyle, um, <laughs> wait, you Facebook stalked me. You Facebook so, stalked me. Oh yes, <laughs> of course. Even though I'm not even on Facebook but, anymore, so I'm not sure how that worked. I, but I don't um, know either. The, the long story, short story long is, as you know, we are FromSoft fans here on this pod. And so this oh, is going to yeah. be my simple question for you. Um, yeah. you're, you've been playing some Elden Ring? I have. And what, uh, what, what character class did you select that you are going with as your main? Vagabond. The Vagabond. Vagabond. Okay, what, yeah. what, uh, what drew you to the Vagabond? Oh, uh, you know, the armor available right away. Yeah, uh, I kind of wanted to just explore. It seemed like a neutral, but more st uh, it was a uh, stacked stat-wise heavier. Mm -hmm. 
sure. than other starting classes. And honestly, I clicked it and I said, don't overthink this because Minecraft will happen. You get two hours into character <laughs> creation and then you never turn it turn on again, right? I mean, yeah. that's not Minecraft, but the two-hour time limit, you got to just not overthink it. And in all honesty, I thought about looking up like, well, what's the best starting class for Elden Ring? I bet you that's a very Googled search, right? Undoubtedly. Uh, and I thought about that too. And I'm like, well, in, the, in other FromSoft, you know, there's a specific item that you, it's just a no-brainer to get, but you only know that you need to get it by experiencing it or by looking it up. And I just didn't want to break this experience that time. I didn't want yeah. to break that cadence. So I just oh, went with it. That's something I, I think that Paul and I can both definitely relate to in terms of in terms of that, like how to approach the game. It's something we talked about in the uh, in our Elden Ring yeah. special episode in uh, in a related quasi related way, though, of like wanting to hit this game and not not bias it too much. Yeah, I even did it with his physique. I was like, do I want him to be older or younger? So I gave him gray hair and I made him young. I couldn't decide. <laughs> I love it, Silver Fox. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, my next question for you, um, I know uh, it was a, a topic that you, you alluded to as a possible topic for, for talking about on the pod, and maybe it will be a future one, that you, you are quite a collector of uh, video game collectibles. Yes. This is a much yes. harder question than the previous one. Oh, If you it. could only keep one video game collectible, no limitation on what you can play, what would mm. it be? Turns on light in room where collectibles are. <laughs> exactly. Slowly that. steps in. Oh my gosh, what's my one thing? You know, I have the Witcher 3 uh, Windows PC Collector's Edition. Uh, but it's not going to happen. I have two unopened Breath of the Wild Collector Edition boxes. So I would keep one of those. They're the master's edition. So they're the ones with that, like, I, I don't know if you remember Reggie, like showing it off on the, like, here's Breath of the Wild. And here's the, he like said in, in the presentation, he's like, these are going to be very limited. And they sold out in like minutes, right? Yeah. Well, games, GameStop broke that day. And lucky for me, because I couldn't get it off of Amazon. I couldn't get it off Best Buy, but I got it off of GameStop. And even l- let me put in a second order. And oh, Wow. If, since you know my tale of Zelda, you know I didn't care. Like I unashamedly was just like, they're mine. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So nice. I bought a digital copy. Bought a digital copy of the game, and I never opened them. Now, <laughs> I also didn't open them. I wanted the Master Sword collectible. I did. I did, and I wanted that on my shelf. Of course. And and I wanted to have to explain that to any. You know, my wife, I wanted to have to explain that why I'm, why I'm geeky and stuff. That's fine. But I, I just couldn't open them. <laughs> I couldn't do it. And I don't know if you remember them showing it off, but they're like, look at this amazing statue. And the lady's like bending the sword back and forth. It just made it look so cheap. Oh, no. So I'm also <laughs> partially afraid of ever opening them <laughs> too. And people, you know, I just, I don't know. They're sitting literally in this non-see-through bin surrounded in bubble wrap i don't even have that open it's just at the bottom of my closet so which is sad <laughs> it's just it, sad it is kind of sad but at least you're not you know willy-nilly bending collectibles on on youtube channels 
So, you know, yeah. Yeah, you might have overcorrected in the other direction here, but uh, yeah. Now let's destroy this master's edition of Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Today Catapulted on Will It Blend? Through, right. Catapulted through three rings on fire. I don't know. You're right. Yeah, the blender would be probably the most hard wrenching. Through three rings on fire and into a blend tech blender. Into a blender. <laughs> the wood chipper. <laughs> Wood chipper is just so efficient. You never even see it happen. It just, <laughs> it's just something completely different when it comes out. It's gone. Um, and now we're I'm now imagining you watch the regular ending Fargo. Oh, whatever. Then yeah. a, a, a YouTube edit where somebody instead <laughs> is throwing the. It's, but it has to be like no! not going through, right? If it's Fargo, this. if it's Fargo, he's kind of struggling with it, right? So yeah, it's just yeah, like half, cool. half the box is in. <laughs> and it's sticking out. No. <laughs> Oh my. Not my collector's edition of the legend of zelda breath of the wild i need to contact oral knots and get them to make this video just to put it in front of your yeah. face yeah we live close enough to south dakota i could do it there we go <laughs> all right my final question for you um both you and paul were were with me through um you know what what i would probably say is the greatest personal betrayal i've ever experienced in my life but I'm not going to ask you about those events because it has nothing to do with a video game. What, in your opinion, is the greatest betrayal narrative moment in a video game? Oh, I think it's the most fantastic betrayal narrative or moment. And I honestly, this is probably a letdown to a bunch of people. <laughs> but the, because it's, it's like, right, it's like old art becomes you know, like overproduced and overdone. And it has since been. And it probably was before, I'm just not aware of it, but the ending of Bioshock, or at least the events leading up, you know, Bioshock, where yeah. I don't know if I can like say it on your podcast. Oh yeah, we talk spoil spoilers it. all the time and it's a game I haven't okay. finished, but don't plan on finishing anytime soon. It's been out for forever. So yeah, go for yeah. it. But just to summarize, there's a phrase that you hear throughout the whole game and then you learn, you know, why you've heard that phrase over and over and over again. It's because you've been trained. In fact, I think like, even the new call, one of the most recent Call of Duties did this, Cold War or something, where one of the character, your the character that you play was brainwashed, and throughout the whole game you don't know. So I, you know it's been reproduced. I don't know if you can classify that as betrayal. What do you guys think? Well, it's, oh, I, I just feel it, like it's it's less a betrayal of the player character and more a betrayal of the character of, of the, the player. player. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which works for totally me. Yeah totally counts uh it counts yeah that more one, in a way i mean i remember playing that in in this really ratty reclining chair kind of like lazy boy-esque but really broken down probably pulled off the curb in college and all you know my my roommate had bought the xbox what was it the 360 and i had bought the copy of bioshock and i don't know that just reached through the screen to me and I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that a video game could do that mm -hmm. at that point, you know? Yeah. So, Cinematic. A lot of players, so in a, in a really big way. Right, right, right. And then I think even after that, it, uh, high gears, video games became more cinematic. They became more narrative, more about the storytelling. It's like that up the bar for me and maybe everybody. I don't know. Yeah. Well, oddly, I feel like that might not be a bad handoff uh, for you to uh, take it away and, and, and talk with us more about games today. Yeah, we're talking about spending unnecessary amount of, amounts of money on collectibles and 
talking about the future of games, why not talk about uh, graphics cards and displays, which, you know, is another thing that I've noticed people collect if they want to mine cryptocurrency. But, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I, can I just express my uh, fundamental anger at cryptocurrency for making it so damn hard to get graphic cards even before we had a shortage? Yes. Anyway, yeah. It's, it's come in waves. I don't, you know, it's like history repeats itself. And that, that's been a tragedy, long running one, but it's also been a successful model for business people. And if you think about a graphics card, it is a computational system that's capable of so much more than playing your uh, favorite game, you know? But there are people who are very passionate about this. There are people like me who wants to hook a graphics card up to the best display they can find. And I've been, you know, brought to this love of display technology through a history of uh, creating videos and video production. You know, back in 2008, where I had to finally build my own first computer because After Effects kept telling me that I was an idiot for not having something that was more than $500 and handed down to me from my mom who only used it for word processing, right? So that thing was literally a paperweight sitting in my room. And so you, you get a camera and you shoot a nice video on it and you bring the footage home and try to edit it and the computer says, no, no, <laughs> Kyle, you can't do this. You can't do this, you know? And so that would always force me to consider technology alongside my art craft as a way to get what I wanted. And, you know, I didn't know much about color correction, grading, or, you know, even color volume or fidelity in that sense. Back in the day when I was making videos, we were just trying to get something that didn't look like absolute crap, you know, mm -hmm. on our screens at home and something that looked kind of cinematic, right? Sure. And as that, you know, technology evolved, I was sitting there in this tug of war between which camera I wanted to get the image I wanted and which computer I needed to edit that footage. And it was always like, do more, improve the computer more, right? So you can kind of see the legacy of that being me building the last decade, my own personal computers to support my craft and art while also lying to myself and building these computers to play computer <laughs> games. Right? Of course. So it's not all, it's not all about the craft guys. It's, you know, it's about, it's about the love of these things. And unfortunately love comes at a price and, you know, you get the best display. Let's let's talk about that. What is that now? Well, okay. So I go out and I buy a new Xbox, Xbox Series X, or a new PlayStation 5. And I bring it home and I hook it up to my six-year-old TV. Am I really getting what I want out of that console? Maybe not, you know, like, so what defines the peak of the mountain these days? And it's usually a display that will give you something like HDR at a certain nits level of brightness. Now, I can tell mm. you that sitting in a theater and sitting at home in front of a television has become dramatically different. You know, mm. television displays are now optimized for living room settings, but they give you different things than a theater does. So, um, you know, living in apartments most of my life, I'm always restricted on like what audio I can do. 
I can't get a Dolby Atmos system, otherwise my neighbors will hate me, right? Right. You know, <laughs> that's thumping their walls and with right. nine different speakers. But I'll enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm not that kind of guy. And Moses, you probably know this from knowing me, is I'd always be nervous about what people around me are thinking. Like, oh, oh they most definitely. Me. And I remember yeah. this conversation about one of the <laughs> apartments that you were in specifically about like <laughs> the th far thinner walls than you had anticipated. And it's like, oh. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, I was traumatized in college. I had a downstairs neighbor that had a love for a broom, and uh, rhythmically knocking on the ceiling whenever I walked to the kitchen to get a drink of milk during the night. So yeah, I was traumatized. But well, I mean, it, it could have been far different. Me. Fortunately, I mean, that yeah. one, that broom could go all kinds of different directions. This is, uh, you know. <laughs> oh. I don't know what he did in his spare time, Moses. Maybe that's why he was always so irritated. <laughs> it's hard to say, but coming it's back to this to... place. <laughs> coming back to this place. I'm not a person that has, is an audiophile, but I am a displayophile. You know, I, I enjoy good things. So the zenith of technology these days, you're talking like in your living room, it would be like an OLED panel with infinite contrast at your disposal or a quantum dot uh, panel or a mixture of the two, which is now an acceptable thing. I'll get into that. But, you know, the quantum dot panel that has color volume and it's blasting 750 nits at you. I can tell you sitting in a dark room and then all of a sudden the screen goes white and you have a display capable of 500 plus nits. It's almost painful <laughs> to, to your retinas, right? Now but I got like I want to jump in yeah. and ask, uh, yeah. uh, what, what is nits? Nits is a measure of brightness or luminance. Um, I believe it's at a certain. Uh, so, so LED technology, those diodes um, can put out independently a few hundred nits at a time of brightness. Let me get into this, actually. Let me just pause for a second. I took a couple notes here. So nits being a measurement of, of the light and brightness, a standard panel, that I think it's more appropriate to relate it to what a standard computer panel would put out. So like if you go out and buy a $400 IPS display, let's say it's, okay, they're saying it's, it's your new 4K. It can do 4K, it can do 60 Hertz. Uh, you buy it. It's generally around 250 nits of brightness to 300 some, right? HDR has now been classified under a couple different uh, display level brightnesses being 400, HDR 400, HDR 600, and HDR 1000. <laughs> and now <laughs> we also have HDR 2000. I don't know if I've ever experienced that. I'm a little afraid to. Kind of feels like the bat signal just right in your face mm -hmm. to me, <laughs> hearing something like that. Because I, I can tell you, I have experienced the 700 nits panel. Uh, my wife and I bought a panel like this just because it was on sale. It was the Hisense H9G. I think, I think it's rated at 700 nits. But if it isn't, I you know whatever. I'm willing to accept what it is. Regardless, the thing has a habit of just turning on in the middle of the night to a completely white screen, and I wake up and it's like it's like daylight. Like the the lights turned on, the sun came up, and the birds are tweeting. But it could be like 2 a.m. Oh, uh, needless to say, she hates that thing sometimes, but we got it because it was on sale and I wanted to see what this kind of brightness would be like in a panel. 
uh, I love it. But you also kind of have to squint at the movies you watch, right? If you're watching them in a dark room, which is kind of funny, you know. But uh, weird high dynamic for range. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Being the color volume, and we can just talk about this in terms of a gradient. How many steps are there from black to white, right? Complete black to complete white. How many steps are there? Well, as many steps as you can fit in. That's the correct answer, right? Well, to display that in all color spectrums, you need brightness. So the more brightness you add to the display, you know, that more color volume you get. Mm. We're pushing the edges of what the human eye can tolerate or see, mm -hmm. of course. And back in the day, the funny thing is grading film, we had monitors for that. And we would monitor, we had graphs, right? Things that the, we visually could not see on the display. A lot of times that was to compensate for the display not being of good color volume, the tech there. But those, those scopes were used to make your experience with the footage more accurate. And to be blunt, it was what your eye was not seeing either through that display or capable of seeing, which is just funny to talk about because that's, that's where we're at these days with the dis displays. And that's the thing I've Alien. been wondering about for actually almost 10 years now, it feels like we've been pushing levels of resolution just on a slightly different angle of the same topic that, uh, that exceed what the human eye can, can really distinguish between. Well, isn't yeah. it like Apple's like <laughs> on their iPhone, like the retina display, like it is as good as, a human can can perceive like is that retina was i believe defined to a actual uh pixel per inch resolution where you could no longer distinguish the pixel independently mm -hmm. and at a certain distance now shove your eye up against it well anything's game right but then you're licking the screen you know so it really depends. And resolution is also uh, subjective, just as frequency is subjective. So what's the difference between a 144 hertz panel and a 300 hertz panel? What's the difference between one millisecond response time and 10 millisecond response times? You can ask these questions. They can be defined. But can you perceive them as a human being, right? And people say they can. Uh, people who play esports, e they say that input lag has killed them in the past, right? Mm -hmm. It has let them down. And I, I'm 100% I'm there. I will never play a game that competitively. Right. I might try, <laughs> but eventually, eventually I have to just separate myself. I don't think I could ever do that. <clears throat> so it really comes down to, there's all these spec sheets out there and I'd love to talk about all these specs, but it's like, more so personal preference. I can tell you exactly what I want. Actually, let's talk about what I'm playing Elden Ring on. Perfect. So I'm playing Elden Ring, Ring on my new rig. And my new rig is defined by old parts and a fancy new graphics card that I got luckily during this whole graphics card shuffle, free-for-all, chip shortage, etc. Right. So it's my rig is... A Intel Core i9 ninth gen processor. It's on a mini ITX motherboard for some reason. Don't ask me why. I don't even think it can dissipate the heat from that thing. It has 64 gigs of RAM. It's powered by 
the display is powered by an RTX 3080 Ti. And I love this thing. I love this thing because it was literally designed to play Elden Ring at 4K resolution. Oh, yeah. And it's doing it with some hiccups. And yeah. I, think the, I think the bottleneck is probably me. Bottleneck's usually me, but the bottleneck could come down to me eventually wanting to upgrade that motherboard and that processor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, because I know I'm hitting a wall. Um, Luckily, the graphics card came bundled with a new power supply Mm. because I had a small form factor power supply in there only capable of 600 watts. And the 3080 Ti, I don't know if you knew this, um, and if you do, uh, have at it, but it has three independent uh, six-pin connectors, I think, whereas most graphics cards have had two. And this one is not optional. It is not optional. And so I have to plug it in and this whole system is at minimum probably rated around 700 watts for a power supply, if not more, 750. Luckily, it came with an 850-watt power supply. Luckily, I had not bought a small form factor case. We all love to fit these big parts into a small chassis, though, let's be honest. Oh, It's like, like my dad trying to build a car from the ground up. Tim Taylor, home improved, built that car from the ground up. More power. Yeah. Viewers uh, get that reference. They're as old as us. Yeah, or or older even. Um, yeah. uh, do you do you fuck with 120 hertz when you watch a movie ever? I so I'm more of a purist in that form. Let's talk uh, clear motion. It's the first thing I turn off on any display I get. Yeah, uh, TV display. You know, I I like to watch things in the format they're filmed in. I don't care what it is. Um, Peter Jackson, The Hobbit, 48 frames per second. I would love to experience that because that's what he wanted, right? But, but recently... Is that oh, like the, 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 the silky, smooth soap opera looking? It did have that effect because I, the shutter... Yeah, the shutter rate they were using was 1 over 96. Uh, so it was basically 180 degree shutter. So it, it perceived the motion that the human eye would see at that frame rate which yeah. 24 has been named as the more accurate 25 you know frequency conforming over in europe to there's a legacy there there's a history there i mean <laughs> but yeah the 48 a lot of people said that made them feel uncomfortable in the theaters which i believe is the only place it's ever been projected i don't think it was released okay capable of that well, it made me uncomfortable because it looked like ass and like, <laughs> I mean, the movie itself is, it was dog shit. So it's, it's hard to like separate the two, but yes. I was so yeah. pulled out of it from the very beginning. Like, I'm like, this looks fake and it is fake, but like, it's fake in a way that looks fake instead of in the way that looks real. And maybe if we were never conditioned to this other way, then we would if we looked at it the other way, it'd be like, oh man, it's all choppy and whatever. But like, I just cannot, I cannot stand uh, that, that silky smooth kind of, it makes everything look hollow and, and, and light and just, yeah, not, not real. And then you combine so, that with like modern, like CGI uh, movie making techniques. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, don't even get me. So started. there's, have you seen the most recent, <laughs> Uh, releases of those films 
of the hobbits is yes uh, yes have you challenged yourself to go back and watch them i know I, I barely made it through the first one and i did not look back after after that during the pandemic i found out my wife was a huge lord of the rings fan so like any kind of geeky guy that's played D in the past i took full advantage of that and we Absolutely. watched it over and Fair over enough. and over again nice. yeah 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 during the pandemic uh peter jackson re-released the hobbits and the lord of the rings and i feel 90 hmm. percent confident in what i'm about to say i believe he recolor uh corrected all of the films oh wow really? and and let me tell you even a color correction helps with the bad cgi like that's what blew my mind watching this i i knew of it in practice having a bad color grade can make things less real so i don't know if you remember seeing the hobbits in theaters but i actually kind of remember it for one thing specifically which is the highlights were so blown out yeah. everything looked like a surreal like yeah what like bleached painting to me yeah weirdly and, enough i super remember that from the first one yeah and i felt like it, it like accented everything with the green screen tint or the blue screen tint you know it's like you kind of see the the false edges around everything right yeah and i think they use green actually and it kind of just um you know it, it it was known to me and i always felt like film school ruined me for films <laughs> and i think that's true that's probably true. I think that's true. I can sit down in a theater and I can look at this technology and say, okay, they filmed on the red cameras. This, everything that I'm seeing right now is CG, except for them. They are running on a platform made of soft, cushiony, like whatever. You know, it's like the karate mats that you used to have, you know? I mean, yeah. did it, painted did green. You, did it ruin you for film or did it ruin you for like the workman like <laughs> just make a buck? cutting corner i mean like i mean a good movie <laughs> can still take you out of that mode uh, right or or not you know for different reasons i i respect the industry for what they have to do i know that like a, a young guy like me coming in and trying to break down the door and saying i know everything and let me help and you know being a part of those things it's something that they don't want because they have a formula they have a way that makes it work right you know yeah uh, these films are coming out and they are formulaic in the sense that they are formulaic to please you, to make everybody happy, right? But they also, I mean, like, let's talk Marvel movies here. They are enjoyable. And some of them have really pushed what the defining natures of narrative are in film. But are they based on a formula of success? Well, <laughs> I won't answer that, but I will say, <laughs> like any pop song, there is a bit of a template, right? You know, there's somebody standing over them with experience saying, hey, you want to do it that way. How about if we maneuvered over here, you know, into this? Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. happening all steps of the way. It's not just one giant big dollar sign crushing the film. It's it's in the edit bay. It's in the it's in the director's chair. It's the producers, you know, saying, "Well, I have this vision for this character. I'm paying for this whole thing. Listen to me, <laughs> you know." <laughs> um, but it's you know, it's it's a lot of that's the one thing that I do respect about cinema. At the end of any movie, there are hundreds of people listed, and cinema is not always perfect and doesn't always come out great, but it is a measure of all those people's work. Even the people doing, you know, 
ADA compliance things, closed captioning, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. making it accessible to different countries where they're young filmmakers who do not speak English as their native language, who would not translate a Hollywood film well to them, who don't understand those concepts, who may not even understand that some of that stuff is fake, you know, because they don't have exposure to CG like we do, you know, all those people making these things come together. It, it expands the reach and it makes it something completely different than what they set out to make. So I do respect that. I do. And that's something I've always wanted to be a part of is that teamwork, you know? Yeah. Most definitely. I mean, but, this is also something that's true of AAA, yeah. AAA studios, right? Uh, maybe not quite at the same scale you need uh, for, yeah. for a Hollywood blockbuster, but, but still you actually need a, a pretty substantial team with sub teams, right? Yeah. And I, will, I want to plug it here. I will say the biggest thing they need to look out for is the same thing that they've been needing to look out for in Hollywood. And they've made success, uh, significant strides is taking care of these people. Mm -hmm. And on both sides of the gender line, on all sides of the lifestyle line, you mm -hmm. know, taking care of anybody who walks through that door is a part of that, anyone, regardless of race, creed, bias, sex, et cetera. I think that this, you know, these industries need to understand that these people working there are also their audience. These people would not get into game making if they weren't fans of games, right. you know? So don't segregate, don't isolate and equal pay for all guys, right? Yeah. Not guys, yeah. not all guys. <laughs> I mean, in the context of the three yeah. of us here speaking, yes. yes, a lot of a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of work yet to be done. That is like, for sure. Yeah, like the rallying cry. Come on, guys, let's let's get this done. But it's not just guys. Yeah, um, but you didn't ask me what display I play Elden Ring on. So, and I I didn't prompt the question, but I did want to tell you. So it is sitting next to one of my favorite panels, which is the it's an older uh, LG OLED. It's pretty dim by today's standards. Uh, we're talking nits here. It doesn't pump out the 700 some nits that my bedroom does. It's a, it's a, but it has infinite contrast, which means it's black can be, the black pixels can be turned off completely. Mm -hmm. Right. And infinite contrast isn't infinite. It's just a term that's been popularized. So okay. it's I was, sitting next to I that. Was, I was ready to bust you on that. I was just sitting like, mm. <laughs> do, it. <laughs> no. do it. When you say infinite. Yeah. Oh, geez, hmm. pull. Yes. <laughs> so we're calculus. Let's do calculus. Let's just to the, to the, the finest sense of infinity. Let's talk as it approaches. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm actually, it's not connected to that TV. My rig is not connected to that TV. It has an eight foot HDMI cord uh, running around the back of it and into my bedroom where on a laptop uh, side table, I've set up a 15 inch uh, OLED C-Force monitor that I bought uh, off Amazon, real cheap. And this thing, it completely like does not remember my settings. So every time I turn it on, I have to reset the color and recalibrate it to oh, what I like. Cool. But I love it. I yeah. love playing Elden Rings on it. It's amazing. It's yeah. right, you know, my wife can watch her TV show. I can put in my head earbuds and I can play Elden Rings right there. And I feel like I probably didn't have to go this far to make this vision a reality. 
but what fun is that right or i mean in a way you you just you went far enough you went as far as you had to just like uh yes. frodo and sam you know they yeah. it was a, a long journey but uh they, they it was they marked by many intricate separate amazon purchases uh yes now i shall need a 10-foot USB extension cord because <laughs> the Bluetooth adapter does not respond well with the controller I'm using out from the living room because a giant wall is blocking its path. Yeah, it's like I could create like a scrapbook to remember this build out of. Now, it is unsightly and it is a tripping hazard. And I have not put in any precautions except for just tucking it under the lip of a door that was not properly cut in length. So I was lucky there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it kind of is wedged between the carpet and this little piece of wood. And it's just sitting there and I'm hoping that my wife doesn't trip on it on her way out of the bedroom in the morning to get ready for work. You know, I don't want, I don't so want far. Uh, I think you're, so far I think so you're, good. you're flying. Yeah. You're flying safe. We, Elden Ring, Elden Rings takes enough from us. We don't need it to take any more. Yeah. Any actual flesh and blood. Yeah. 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 I, you know, and I, I don't think that there's much uh, graftable in real life in the event of tripping hazards. Um, limit limitations, let's just say, in, in comparison to what might be grafted in the lands between. Right. Yeah. That's a it's a 500 nits OLED monitor and that Bandai Namco white screen at the beginning Oof. is amazingly bright in comparison to the rest of the game <laughs> so that'll wake you up i uh i don't know why they didn't go with black that that logo works on either white or black but i they must have felt they had to blow up my retinas so. i feel like they've always gone with white uh, well, they always I, I put have yeah, yeah. I, I think it's tradition at this point it might feel weird if they if they deviate <laughs> yeah yeah or, or you know, I, maybe maybe they start branding by the game. Okay, Elden Rings is a dark kind of game. <laughs> yeah. Let's do something I, yeah, different here. Crazy talk. You're talking about throwing out tradition just for the sake of your retinas. <laughs> I just imagine this like this. Just I don't know. It's a graphic designer. He's running down the hall to change the background of that logo from white to black, and they're like, "Stop him." And then it's the meme with the guy running down the hall, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> they tackle him to the ground and take his graphic pen away from him. Give him a few slugs to the face. What were you thinking? <laughs> his best friend is like standing there crying. I told you not to do it. All to save Kyle's retinas. Yep, exactly. But really it comes down to that. I feel like I need a summary here, of course. It's like... It's about your personal preference. And I like displays that go far beyond what I need them to, because I also like feeling like I've accomplished something with my investment. I don't want to feel like I need to reinvest in a panel in three years. Will I? Well, there's always something new and shiny, right? So I'm also a realist, but you know, it really is your preference. Yeah. Don't pay attention to the spec sheets. Don't pay attention to the 500 nits versus the thousand nits. You're going to know if it's too much brightness, if it's in your face. Yeah. Which is also why Best Buy exists. Go there and see if uh, you feel more comfortable watching it with shades or not. You know, 
<laughs> Why are you wearing shades indoors? Maybe it'll bring back that. I gotta, I gotta have my gunners on. You know, I wear my sunglasses <laughs> late night. Uh, we all, we all have our idiosyncratic uh, little things. Some, some more than others. You know, like uh, I was talking with Moses about my some of my Elden Ring experiences and how with these FromSoft games, I normally turn off the online on my first playthrough because I hate how cluttered the environment gets with the bloodstains and all the messages and the jokes. Like as much, nice. they're fun and they're great and they have their place, but uh, it just sort of takes me out of it a little bit. And even though I, I regret the fact that I won't be invaded during my first playthrough, like I kind of need the sort of sanctity of of that and uh also uh on the audio front like the the looping the constantly looping music uh kind of pulls me out of it as well so i usually turn the music off when i play and uh yeah hmm. it you know different and i'll turn it back on for the boss fights because you, you got to have it on for the boss you fights. need it yeah, you when need a thousand nits blasting your face. Then I think it sounds. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell Please. my my partner uh, that, and we'll just see what happens. See where it goes from there. Uh, blast me in the <laughs> no. face with those nits. Uh, <laughs> mitts. Mits. Mits. N i t s. Okay. Yeah. Mits of brightness. Can, do you mind if I Wikipedia this? Because I felt completely unarmed. When we started talking, well, what's a knit? <laughs> I mean, not to not to nitpick here, but if you know, right? If you, no, uh, this was this was obvious. Uh, a knit of brightness. One single. I bet you this will be like a horse of power. All right, the more not knits, exactly. the bright. No, it is not. It is not. Because I got it ahead of you. I, uh, I already looked it up on yeah. Wikipedia, but I decided to just keep my mouth shut. Oh, you are keeping us in suspense. Can I tell you, I did foot candle calculations in film school. I remember nothing about them, but I do remember the term foot and candles. There you go. <laughs> but again, but again, it was, you know, it was talking about a comparison to a technology that existed before. Well, we have feet. We can measure feet. We have candles, right? We have horses. We have drawn carriages. We can measure how many powerful horses are drawing this carriage, right? Um, so, my goodness. All right. Well, what trusted source did you use? Did you use Wikipedia? Yeah, I did. In fact, use Wikipedia. All right. And what does it say? Oh, I already closed that window. I have no idea anymore. Oh, shit. <laughs> A measure of the brightness of light. One nit is equal to one candela, one candle power per square meter. Cool. It yeah. is foot candles. Yeah, it does go back meters, to foot candles. The sun, the sun at noon is related at 1.6 billion nits. Oh my God, that's way too bright. Yeah, but what part of the earth? Oh, can I just interject with an amazing story that I heard about um, scientific uh, relate, like relating to things in terms no certain terms. So two it. days ago, two days ago, thank you, an asteroid <laughs> fell to Earth, all right? And this thing was reported on by multiple news sources, one being Daily Mail, who said the asteroid was half the size of a giraffe as it struck the Earth off the coast of Iceland. Mm. And it was what just twice. Yeah, well, was the giraffe lying down? 
is it is it hooves to hooves to top of head is it is what you know how old is the giraffe right but then abc 10 sacramento california said at six and a half feet in diameter the space rock was see they're off to a good start here right <laughs> they already used the word diameter i know the space good. yeah the space rock was roughly the size of another rock six feet five inch six foot five inch Dwayne the rock johnson for another comparison the daily mail oh. said it was half the size of a giraffe see they were off to a good start and then they had to put their own punny humor into it or their giraffe, own witty. giraffe is the least uniform animal okay. I, well, I just now feel like i know that Dwayne johnson <clears throat> is half the height of a giraffe apparently well yeah it yes yes maybe but in what maturity um you know tail to top of head or hooves to top of head guys is it was the asteroid oblong is that why they chose a giraffe is that why a human being like Dwayne the rock johnson would be better and is he in like i don't know scorpion form like where he has the lower half of a you know let's just assume yes yeah, yeah i think inquiring yes. minds are going to make yeah. certain assumptions i mean i have Bad a CG. you know a, a very reliable subreddit has informed me that drafts don't exist anyway so <gasps> goodness yeah it's, well but i mean that makes sense then that the daily mail would be <laughs> we've really gone down the rabbit hole here or is it a giraffe hole mm. no mm. it all goes full circle i mean we're coming right back to foot candles and display technologies exactly uh, all we ever zebra needed. that's it is not the striped zebra supposed to be a camouflage for them yeah why in are a, they striped group right it's because of how the eye perceives them right it cannot discern where one zebra begins and the other one ends correct i, I think no I it's because there are giant tvs out there in the, the serengeti is it and you know when it, when they just have snow on the on the screen then the, those stripes are perfect yeah, those... camouflage against the, the snow. <laughs> exactly. I miss snow. I was just talking about snow with a friend the other night. I always saw I always saw little uh, babies. Like the 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 lighter part was the baby's head. The darker part was the baby's body wrapped in like a swaddling cloth, and it was just millions of little babies just hurtling across the screen uh, when when I was a kid. It wasn't disturbing. It was just oh, there there's the babies. There go the babies. Yeah. I always thought in the television fuzz when we were, you know, the channel was incorrect, like it, it wasn't coming in, being received on the, on the, what do they call those things? Uh, uh, rabbit ears? The rabbit ears, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Are we that far separated from this that I can't remember? But yeah, on the antennas, uh, I always thought that, you know, remember those books where it was like the same fuzz, but you're supposed to see an image in it. It yeah. was like the same static. Oh, yeah. I always thought Definitely. that you're supposed to like cross your eyes and be able to see something. Turns out it was just static. It was just demons and you should never just look. Just demons. You should never, never look, look at them with cross eyes. Yo, know, I feel like we might be ready to make my game. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think, uh, I think we can, we can, we can move things. I feel like we could, we could, we could jam jaw about knits and, and babies and snow uh, for a good another 10 minutes, but uh, let us uh, instead, unless, uh, I don't know if you had a, a bow. Uh, oh yeah. Pile or, uh, no, it's all good. Um, you know, or, uh, I, it's, it, I would just say um, 
stop listening to all the stats, you know, go and see the display, find the technology that feels right for you. And then make sure it's something that you feel comfortable with before you dive in. But I can tell you one thing. I can tell you playing Horizon, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and Bloodborne again felt like completely new games on a new display. Wow. And on a better display, I felt reinvigorated to play them again. You know, it wasn't just a casual replay. By the way, Paul, congratulations on Platinum. Bloodborne. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, but it wasn't just like a, you know, a replay for achievements. It felt like I was diving back into it. I got to tell you, up in the contrast, you know, getting something that I felt was, you know, really great eye-wise. <laughs> I don't know how to describe that, but, you know, really pleasant to look at. I, it just felt reinvigorated. And, you know, people were out there already calling for a remaster of Bloodborne. Yeah. For me, you know, doing that, seeing that, it just felt, it felt like a new experience. Brand new. Nice. So if it's affordable and it's something that you like and are passionate about, go get something, tool around with it, play with it, have fun. You know, don't feel like you have to break the bank every week to get a new display, but having something that you like, that you're passionate about, it pays off. Yeah. Sure. And, and the truly important things um, will have been there all along, uh, yeah. namely from soft video games. Yes. Uh, just, don't, speak- just don't overblast yourself with nits, all right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, speaking of video games, though, it is time for our final feature of the show. It's time for Make My Game. Let's do it. And I right. do want to be clear. I, the only reason I said that I thought it was time to do this is because we were already getting into some pretty wild territory. I, I was feeling that. Literally. Vibe. I figured that's. Zebra. Yeah. So let's channel it. Let's channel it. Uh, yes, and uh, I thought um, I would uh, try something, uh, uh, well, slightly a slight variant on things where I normally kind of unilaterally make uh, the choice if, uh, if I should generate a new or uh, a go with what we've got. I thought uh, going forward, uh, sort of honoring the spirit of the feature, we'd be a little more constrained. Uh, we have one do-over, uh, so we get to click generate again if we just don't, don't feel it. And then we are stuck with the second choice. Uh, however, each host and guest does have a veto if it just really uh, is smacking them uh, in, in, a, in a bad way. Uh, but starting off uh, for this week, pending any vetoes or new selections from Trick Blast Entertainment. Is <laughs> that, that's a yes. Here. Uh, and this is quite congruous with the studio name neon bmx beatdown <laughs> oh my gosh i am if i may go first i am up for this challenge i'm, I'm on i'm on board i'm on, on board, board for neon bmx beatdown from trick blast entertainment wow. how is yeah. this not already a game it sounds like right. it really should be uh, especially with like um you know the whole vaporwave 80s love thing yeah. that's been going on for like a few years that name neon bmx beatdown just it Man. definitely invokes some retro qualities but this game would never have been made in the eighties. It's a, it's a love, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an ode to, it's a love, love poem to, to eighties, eighties genre, eighties aesthetic. So yeah. we can probably already cross off my jump into this genre, which was imagining people in a grand theft auto setting where their only weapon is a BMX bike. Just 
hitting other people with BMX bikes. You have literally one vehicle and it is also your weapon. Right. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't able to fit neon into that. So I just feel, I feel a little like I missed it there, but you know, I I don't know. I think Um, that, I think that would be a totally valid uh, starting point. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't quite have an inkling, but then Moses was sort of mentioning like the retro thing. What if, what if this is a Streets of Rage style uh, brawler? That's the beat except part. Except yeah. you are on a BMX bike, and the terrain is varied. You can do jumps and tricks and stuff, and crash into people. But you can also dismount oh. and then and then hit people with your bike. So, like in certain sections, it almost feels like it has the speed of Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, and then you stop to do the true like the beat him up did you say that we would abandon the bike as a weapon because i also no. feel like now that comes back, oh no we're definitely bringing the bike in as a weapon. oh yeah no that's like why not those things are durable right so it's right there mm-hmm. in the name it is a bmx beatdown yeah i yeah. think it's important that you can you, you can dismount to use the bike as a weapon but you can also like do you know hopping around on the bike and do funky tricks to to, to attack without getting off the bike. Right, like you use you, you do like a sliding stop into like a group of enemies like bowling pins like mm-hmm. after a big sick uh ramp, you know. Uh I I wow. I do. Uh so with a beat em up, there's always an end level bigger guy boss challenge health bar comes up, mm-hmm. right? What are we dealing with here? Is this person also challenging us on a BMX or is there some authoritative like clash here? Is there a system you're trying to bring down? It's neon. I feel like punk almost for sure fits, but, but Mm -hmm. neon can also go other places. You can, you can, you can envision something like Tron, the movie, you know, when you're talking neon, because that almost has like a color palette, a age of the neon thing going for it. But I'm that's more. I'm picturing more yeah. of a gritty, like uh, s- spray paint, neon, you know, day glow uh, clothing, mm-hmm. kind of kind of thing. Uh, and then, yeah. as far as like the hierarchy of bosses, like I think sub bosses will be rival BMXers. But like I picture, I picture one boss, and maybe not the final boss, but he is like a road cyclist where he has like the fully streamlined bike <laughs> and the helmet that comes <laughs> to a point. And he is just flying he, past the screen. Uh, does he occasionally leveling. yell at cars? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we're crossing eras. Those, those guys didn't really exist in that's the 80s. Mean. But, uh, I've been there. I've done that. I mean, like, I mean, I just I'm tell you a little just segue here. When I used to bike a lot in college. You wouldn't know it by looking at me today. But I did. I had my bike. And I run into things. Like, people would lay down tacks in the road or in the bike lanes just take out your tires what? so me being a guy who just conformed to bike lanes of course would hit those being right. like what did i do to you not knowing who you was and then have to go get my tubes replaced Ugh. that sounds very medical but you know <laughs> better than tying them up i suppose <laughs> my tubes on your knees and tied. yeah yeah up, tubes back down, down. no so more I, biking I'm, and no more babies i'm definitely <laughs> feeling you though kyle on the um is there like a, a beating the system if we're going with that 80s theme there definitely needs to be an evil corporation involved mm-hmm. and there could be a level that has like a bunch of guys in suits and like, yeah. you know, so like your, your boss fight on that level is not going to be 
like somebody else who is who is wheeled necessarily. Um, yeah. I mean, but, the BMX genre kind of defines and helps us with that, which is the nonconformist. You have you have the logo on your bike, but you immediately put a sticker over it. You know exactly. You're, yeah, you're not a you're not a host to brands. You're you're also not allegiant to them. You know, you're you're fighting them. I almost felt like kind of having that rebellious thing going. One one question I had is. I'm sure we all have different visions in our mind. I'm I'm definitely thinking 2D era with some three-dimensional movement during the fighting, uh, during the combat. Um, yeah, these but are sprites, are, for sure. These are sprites, yeah. 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 Moses, were you thinking anything other than that? Or how no, and I mean, definitely like, with the, the, the 2D era level of, as, as Paul said, like Streets of Rage, like you can go up and down on the screen in addition to forward and back, um, but it is not a 3D up and down right it is it is simply because yeah. um, it's it's that sprite style of animation and, and level of it uh you know i i think it, it's definitely kind of a best of both worlds situation it's going to it's not going to be like um a full-on pixely look right we can make we can go with something that's shinier but evokes that uh that style it, it was kind of how i was thinking especially because of that mention of like having faster parts of levels and like kind of the sonic style movement and some of the level design having to negotiate and navigate through the environment. Uh, I feel like uh, we're going to want it to be pretty slick at times. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Still strongly feeling like more retro than nineties games. You know, you know, like I think as a studio, we might, we might eventually come to the decision that BMX doesn't need to be in the name of the beat em up because that almost taxed onto one thing. But like, I think, I think that's where we're going with this is we, this game is being released in a time where we know BMX is popular and we know that people want that. In that essence, I, I you know, I remember I had friends who had like the back pegs, right? The front oh, yes. pegs, they did the tricks. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that style. And I'm thinking about that style out loud here is I love that for like combo systems and stuff like that too. You can go on front tire tip, do spin around. And I'm just imagining- yeah. That could be a combo on a guy. You Hell could yeah. like tornado them up into the air, right? Yep. Ten yeah. hits, twenty hits, etc. You could have you could have a limit gauge, uh, break it, and you you rot, you just go in a UE around the screen, and you you take ten guys with you. You know, yeah. Something that as makes- simple as that. Something quick. Something that clears the screen. You could do a lot with a bike. Just a bike yeah. as a system in general in a beat 'em up. I feel. And I'm, yeah. I'm picturing like there'll be a uh, like interludes where you're in a half pipe going and yep. like gaining altitude. And there are either, well, there's probably both guys, dudes with jetpacks and attack helicopters. And you were like getting that that vertical. And then you do this like sweet little kick, uh, not like a like a kick, like you're kicking and you just kick someone out of the helicopter as you are at the it. apex of your of your of your jump. Yeah. I don't want to break this down for you guys, but I do feel like as the person who's played too many arcade games uh, at Aladdin's Castle in the mall, I have to mention one game that comes to mind during this whole thing, which is the Simpsons arcade. Bart Simpson with the skateboard, right? Mm -hmm. I'm feeling like we almost are down the pathway of that, which was a very successful game and um, remembered and beloved by many people. And I think uh, even they had different ports as well. But if I remember correctly, it was a side scroller beat em up, wasn't it? You could yeah. play as all the family members, but specifically Bart, I think, had the mechanic of the skateboard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Remember, that that right. Right. we're just building on the shoulders of giants here. So I'm, I'm down with it. That's you know, streets are yeah. The, yeah. yeah. That, oh, that no, this is stones. But I feel like, you know, while acknowledging that as an inspiration, I feel like there's a lot of successful things they did with that. that and as you said, Streets of Rage and, you know, even going on um, beyond yeah. that. Uh, yeah, it's 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 really great. It's a uh, I think this would be a lot of fun to play. In fact, side scroller beat em ups, you know, have been a mechanic screen to screen. I feel like the in between screen to screens could be really cool. Like you could have. I, I want to go back to like that whole Sonic idea. You could have like this kind of ramp esque in between screens thing where you are active as a player yeah. and you are still, you know, breaking these baddies down. You're still hitting them. You know, there's some, something that carries you from screen to screen like that. To me, that, that sounds awesome too. I don't know. Totally. Yeah. I mean, sometimes these games, sometimes every step of the way it's a struggle and sometimes it's as though they have sprung fully formed uh onto the page as it were and uh i think this week it's definitely the latter with uh and again trick blast entertainment i mean my god uh yeah. know, what can't they do uh, uh well this and, is the introductory of your veto system right so inevitably the <laughs> it wasn't going to work the first time right? <laughs> right it was just like let's introduce this system where the guys that are on the show can say Nah, let's get rid of that name and try again. It was going to be perfect the first time. Right. Not needed yeah. this week. Uh, yeah, I don't think, uh, I think it was the, the moment our brains conceptualized it, uh, we had realized perfection. And uh, at this point, it's it's all gravy. So uh, It writes itself, doesn't it? It kind of really did does. this week. Uh, so yeah, uh, uh, Trick Blast Entertainment with Neon BMX Beatdown. Uh, and uh, brings us to the final little bit of the show here, the goodbyes. And uh, Kyle, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us this evening. Thank you, Paul and Moses, for having me. It was it was great being on. Absolutely. And I love your show, and I'm just sad that I haven't checked it out even more. And I will continue my cram session after this is after this episode's over. Cool. Very, very, very happy to hear that. And uh, Moses, as always, thanks for being here with us this evening. Yeah, Paul, as always, a pleasure, pleasure hosting. Good to get some different guest perspectives up in the mix tonight. And, um, you know, I'm sure we have so much more Elden Ring ahead of us. So uh, just another step in the journey. Maybe a little a co-op. You can show me the cat and I'll show you the man. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And moving right along. Spoiler alert. It's a man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, speaking All of right. men, uh, thanks to everyone out there for listening this week's there's at least one woman i can look at the at the at the at the metrics um it's joanna uh for listening to this week's episode of paul and moses play uh if you have a question comment or a suggestion feel free to email us at paul and moses play at gmail.com we'll see you next week and until then never, never stop stop, stop. Play, play. Oh.